the international headquarters of the Sword of the Lord Publishers and Ministries here in downtown Murfreesboro, Tennessee, in the greater Nashville area, in the southern suburbs of Nashville, actually. And it's in the heart of Tennessee with Tennessee and the world at heart. This is Making a Difference, and I'm Dr. Shelton Smith. What a joy it is to welcome you today right here to Sword Headquarters and uh, to have the privilege here on this station five days a week. We are absolutely delighted, and we want to do some things every single day that'll be a blessing to you. Last week, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, I did some messages that I called the hate factor, and I talked to you about this awful issue of hate that is so very much a part of today's world. Now, yesterday... I started a three-part series of the love factor. Actually, hate and love are not uh, the same at all. They're totally different things, and they are the antithesis of each other. Where one exists, the other one gets pushed back. And so today we're going to look at part two of some things that I'll try to give you about the love factor. Let me just encourage you to remember that uh, later in the summer, coming up, just months away now, half a year away, but uh, the National Sword of the Lord Conference will be starting on July 22nd this year in North Carolina, as always, and we look forward to having many of you there. Go to our website, check for details, and uh, in fact, go to the website often. Lots of good things there for you at swordofthelord.com. Well, let's talk about the love factor again. Yesterday, I told you that the greatest statement on love that has really ever been made, I believe, is John 3.16, that tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That means that God made arrangements for salvation and that he does provide other things along the way as well. Now, he's also told us once we embrace his love, we too are to become conveyors of that love. He tells us the greatest commandment is to love the Lord thy God. And the second is likened to it, love thy neighbors thyself. The Bible tells us we know we've passed from death into life because we love the brethren. Now, with all of that in view, some people interpret love as a free pass to their own personal whims. That is, I'm going to do what I want to do. Nobody's going to tell me what I can do or can't do. And if you love me, you go along with me. You let me do what I want to do. And uh, sometimes others interpret love as, hey, anything goes, no restraints, no discipline, no commandments, nothing. Just let me do that because I love to be who I am and I want to do that. Now, in other words, what folks like that are saying when they misinterpret and misdefine love, what they're saying is they want to live their life with no strings attached. Well, let's see if we can't nail down a few things here, because the Bible does lay some things out. I think as we study the passages that the Lord's given us on this subject, we'll find that love is not the adversary of truth. Truth is as much a solid, godly commodity as is love. And whenever we love as we ought to love, we will do so based on truth, not pushing truth to one side, not saying that truth doesn't matter, not saying, well, let's just love, 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 love. I mean, that was kind of the philosophy that the hippies had, but uh, at the same time, their philosophy of love was somewhat uh, misconstrued. 
a whole lot, actually, and uh, they did not predicate their love theme upon truth. You and I need to understand love is not the adversary of truth. We also need to understand that love is not a substitute for discipline. Sometimes, as I've already indicated, folks want to just say, well, I love you, I love everybody, and uh, I don't want anybody to tell me that I have to do this or I should do that, and they don't want any discipline whatsoever in their life. Now, that too is a mis- Connection. It is a misstatement. It does not compute with biblical truth. One more thing here. Love is not a cause for weakness. Whenever you say that you are going to let the love of the Lord work in your life, that doesn't mean that you're going to just cave in to anything and everything. In fact, whenever you capture the love of the Lord in your life, it means you're going to have uh, some strength that you never had before and some things that will cause you and help you to stand up tall like you have never, ever done before. Now, when we go to the Bible, and we should for instruction on this. We're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that is famously known as the love chapter, and it is one that has a lot to tell us about how to define love, how to describe it, really how to let the details of it work very diligently in our life. So we're going to look at some things there because there's quite a number of principles laid out here. For example, in verse 2, of that First Corinthians passage, it says, And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, talking about love, he says, I am nothing. So what he's telling us here is love is a necessary item in the Christian way. Is uh, faith a part of it? Yes, faith is a part of it. Is prophecy a part of it? Is preaching a part of it? Is uh, understanding the mysteries of God a part of it? Is understanding uh, knowledge and having information, is all of that a part of it? Sure, absolutely. But he's telling us that love is a big part of it, and we must season our knowledge and season our preaching and season our faith with love. If we do not do that, then we will misuse some of those other precious commodities. Now, if you look at verse 4 in this 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians, it tells us that love endures. The verse begins by saying that charity suffereth long. That is, it endures. And even under pressure, when it talks about suffering long, that would suggest that it's trudging its way through some valley, maybe walking uh, knee-deep in mud. I mean, something is going on here that is not pleasant, that is maybe bringing great pressure to bear. And when a person has the love that they ought to have, they endure the times of stress. They endure the pressures that come. They endure the days of difficulty. They endure those long walks through the valley waiting someday to get back to the mountain. And sometimes the mountain just keeps looking like it's further and further away. But the Bible tells us here that love doesn't give up. Love endures and continues to work its way and do what it's supposed to do. That same fourth verse in chapter 13 tells us also that love is kind. It expresses itself kindly. 
Uh, you know, over the years, I've known some people who really just made a career out of uh, running their mouth, just shooting off their mouth, saying things that were sharp and uh, just, uh, it's like they've got acid on the tip of their tongue all the time, and they're just looking for some way to kind of strike at somebody. Sometimes they'll even do it with humor, but they're doing it in a way that is really causing other people to feel hurt or discomfort in some way. And uh, whenever a person has the love of God in their heart, I'm telling you all of this as I read through this 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians, and as I think about every detail that it lays out here, it reminds me of what we did last week when we talked about the hate factor and how opposite to all of the hate factor the love factor really is. And whenever we see how clearly God lays this out, it has to motivate us. Dear friends, it has to strengthen our hand and cause us to be something special beyond anything that we could ever have done by ourselves. But by the grace of God and the goodness of God, we become something very, very different from what we may have been at the outset when we were unsaved. But he tells us that love expresses itself with kindness. Sometimes people are unkind to us. And when they are, that doesn't mean we should be unkind to them. It doesn't mean we should strike back when they strike at us. It simply means that we need to remember that the love of the Lord lies within us, it exists within us, and we are thereby going to let our mouth, our tongue, reflect that kindness. We can have people say all kinds of ugly things. They can uh, say things that are totally untrue. That doesn't mean that you and I have to get out of shape. doesn't mean that we have to get acid on our tongue. But it just simply means we remind ourselves who we are, what we have, and the love of God that lives within us. And we, therefore, can speak and express ourselves kindly. The strangest thing to me, people that are the closest to you, you can imagine how that uh, sometimes husbands and wives get crossways with each other and say the most striking things that they ought never to say. Now, what's going on here? Well, somewhere along the way, love has gone missing. Love is not having its way. Love is not doing what it's supposed to do. And you can't tell me that people who behave like that, that they have the love of the Lord in their heart. It may be that they've received some of God's love, but they sure have not embraced it as they ought to embrace it, as these scriptures tell us to do. So he says it expresses itself kindly. Now, the third part of that fourth verse goes on to say that charity envieth not. When we talk about envy, we're talking about how it does not become jealous. It does not look at what somebody else has and lust for that in the kind of a way that would cause a person to do the kind of things that maybe would be sinful. And so the principle here is love does not relate to its loved ones with envy. You have people in your life that are very dear to you. And whenever you relate to them, you do not do it with envy or with jealousy. You do not do that. Love makes a difference. Love gets you to relate to them on a personal level that is best for them, best for you, best for the relationship. And you simply do not go about things in your personal walk with them that is envious or that is giving jealousy a place. Now, there's a fourth part of that verse that says that love vaunteth not itself. Now, what that means is that love does not boast of itself excessively. 
love just goes about its business. Love just shows itself to be what it is. It gives itself place to work and to live and to show uh, in a real demonstration its way of doing things. But it doesn't go around bragging on itself. Love vaunteth not itself. And then there's one more piece in that verse where it says that love is not puffed up. Love doesn't get the big head. Love doesn't say, hey, I'm the greatest thing. I'm the biggest part of this equation and uh, that I'm more important than anybody else here. No, love does not do that at all. Now, we look carefully at all of these attributes of love, and there's more of them, and we're going to look at some more of them on the broadcast tomorrow. But let me just sum all of this up here by simply saying, when you and I understand the love of God, when we realize that God loved us so much and we receive his son, the greatest gift that anybody could ever give, we we receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, that puts us into the family of God. And in the family of God, there are certain things that are to be expected. Now, again, love doesn't mean, well, I'm in, so hey, I can just do whatever I want to do. Love takes on responsibility, and it means that we are a part of the family of God. And yes, there are certain things that we need to abide by. I mean, after all, we would not want somebody in our physical family to misbehave in such a way as to bring dishonor on our family, and so it is in the Christian family as well. And whenever you and I operate based on this agape love that God gives us, we are indeed on strong, solid ground, and it puts hate to flight. And we're going to look tomorrow at one more portion of this because there's other attributes of love that are given right here in this chapter. And I want you to see them and understand them, and I want you to put them to work in your life. You'll be glad you did. Hey, listen, I love to hear from you, so write me a note. Let me know that you're hearing the broadcast and if we're being a help to you. Write to me, Dr. Shelton Smith at P.O. Box 1099, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, 37133. The email address is radio at swordofthelord.com. Well, until tomorrow, God bless you. Have an absolutely wonderful rest of the day, and goodbye for now.